Hello everyone and welcome back to Witch Fix. First off, I have a confession to make, and that is that I have not just finished playing the game that I'm about to review. I actually played it twice uh, a number of months ago, and that was pre-podcast, and I just completely forgot to get around to reviewing it until then. I think I kind of intended to play it again, but I just do not have the time right now to be replaying it, so everything that I'm about to say is based off of my recollection of two playthroughs that I did of the game. So with that out of the way, let me jump straight in. The game I'm about to review is called The Witcher 2 Assassins of Kings. That's assassins plural, which is interesting. It's a third person monster hunting adventure game uh, with a kind of medieval type fantasy setting and it is actually based on a series of novels by a Polish writer whose name I cannot say but I will put the name in the description so that you can read it and find out for yourself. Those novels have actually been translated into English, you can buy them and they have also been adapted into a movie and an upcoming TV series um, and a number of other like little shorts and things. There's comic books, it's a massive Game of Thrones-esque franchise. Well, maybe not quite that big, but you know, pretty big. The keen-eyed amongst you will have noticed that this is The Witcher 2 and not The Witcher 1, and there is a very good reason for that. The main reason being that although The Witcher 2 and The Witcher 3, which I have yet to play but will review here when I get the chance to, uh, have been really successful on the Xbox and Xbox One, they still haven't done a console port of the first game. You can only play it on PC. I have a laptop. It's not a gaming computer. Also, I'm not good at games that are on the PC. I need a controller and all that jazz. And again, my, my computer just can't handle it. So I've never played the first one. I did, before I played this one for the first time, watch a catch-up video on YouTube, which I will try and find and link in the description. It's like an hour long because the plot of the first game apparently very convoluted i remember literally none of it except that i think it involved a werewolf but the good news is if you are like me and don't game on the pc and you don't really have the energy to get through quite a like buggy first game that was made quite a while ago um you don't really need to know a lot about the preceding games or the book series or the film or the tv series or whatever because really helpfully the main character Geralt the Witcher um has amnesia so he doesn't know what's going on either so I felt like that really brought us together and enabled us to form a bond so for those of you who are like me before I started playing the game uh, and you have no idea what a witcher is or why it is different to a witch basically a witcher is a combination of Buffy the Vampire Slayer and the X-Men in that they are kind of mutants with yellow eyes who hunt monsters but for cold hard cash instead of because of their destiny and also as a kind of excuse I guess to use all their witchy powers which lead to them being kind of outcasts from polite society and viewed with a lot of suspicion. Their most obvious power seems to be a high resistant to poisons, which is what caused them to mutate, I guess, and they allow you to juice more than Lance Armstrong. Basically, before every fight you go into, you can drink any number of potions ready to fill up your toxicity meter, up to the point where I guess you would die even with your high resistance and those give you special powers like added damage the ability to see in the dark uh ironically a resistance to poison attacks and various other things as well what witches are not is actual witches uh the only real like magic that they do aside from drinking the aforementioned gallons of magic potions is that they can perform a number of signs which is 
on the menu represented by like a set of runes which look like the triangular symbols for the elements but um in reality they're just kind of like a hand gesture that produces a magic effect like fire uh, a telekinetic push and one that is like kind of coercion i guess because it helps you when you're haggling and helps you to convince people to do things uh, these you use in conjunction with a bunch of other tools and items that you can use uh, which are an iron sword for humans a silver sword for monsters bombs traps throwing knives oils which are like potions that you put on your sword that gives your sword special effects and also good old-fashioned brood strength the actual witch characters in the game which are not witches which are not witches are called sorceresses and they are all as far as i could see sexy women who have half dressed themselves from a child's fancy dress box if that child was elizabeth the first basically just imagine a bunch of like svelte semi-nude women running around but bizarrely they're wearing ruffs and those weird kind of pointy fabric hat things that look like horns but with ribbons wrapped around them it's weird. The main sorceress you see in the Witcher 2 assassination, uh, Assassins of Kings is Triss Merigold. She is a nice red-headed lady who is sticking with you on your quest to, I guess, try and recover your memories and also maybe your wife. And she's wearing trousers, which um, makes her somewhat of an oddity because she doesn't run around with half her ass hanging out. And she is using magic quite a lot throughout the game she mainly does it to teleport places although not when it would be super convenient for Geralt to be able to teleport places because I guess plot reasons but she also can make potions and shields and various other things which are quite cool now I don't know where the events of the first game left off but the second game picks up with you and Triss kind of naked in bed together or under a rug together because there is no bed in the tent you're in uh, and you are helping King Foltest. He is trying to retake a castle which belongs to a lady who he has been intimate with and where his illegitimate children are being held hostage as a kind of negotiation manoeuvre to try and get him out of power I guess. And so the opening part of the game is you helping him to take back the castle and generally help him as you did before because he makes reference to the fact that you saved his life. Unfortunately, he then gets fucking murdered right in front of you and then people run in and go, he did it, arrest the witcher. And then the witcher is duly arrested and you wake up in a prison cell with only your little leather pants on going, I didn't do it, I promise. The twist being that King Fortest was actually murdered by a witcher and one that Geralt, I guess, kind of feels like he recognises from before he lost his memory, but is having trouble placing. But after explaining all of this to the captain of the King's Guard, the captain actually seems pretty sympathetic towards Geralt to the extent that he lets you go um, so that you can stealthily make your escape from the castle or, as I did, murder everybody between me and the gate and then go out and find the real killer and bring him to justice. Once you've done this whole section, you get to go to the game's first open location, which is called Flotsam. It's a sort of river port town and the surrounding forest area. You do some missions, you pick a lot of medicinal herbs because you guessed it, you get to make your own potions. And then if you're me, you forget what you came there for. And then eventually the game will prompt you to align yourself with either the head of the King's Guard, which I guess is only fair because he's the reason that you're free, or the leader of the elven slash dwarven terrorist group, the Squiatel, who has a cool eye patch. And that was pretty convincing, so I went with that guy on my first playthrough. The game actually has a sort of three-act structure, and what I have just recounted to you is basically act one. Uh, it ends when you 
pick what side you're going to be on you leave flotsam and then you go to the setting of act two which is basically the main chunk of the game like most of the time that you're playing you're going to be in this section i have played both because i went back to an old save right before i had to choose and then chose the king's guard and then played through the game again um between the two i would say that siding with the squirtel uh, which means the squirrels which is the least scary name for any group ever but siding with them you go to the same areas but the quests you get are different and you think i think you meet more witches if you side with yorvith and the squirtel so for what it's worth go with them if you want a more witchy experience the most obvious witch that you'll meet uh, you meet a few but the one you have most contact with aside from tris is philippa isleheart who will give you all your main quests in act two if you side with the Squirtel. So between Triss, Philippa and a handful of other witch characters, there's definitely a lot of representation of witches slash magical ladies. And even playing as Geralt, who is just a guy with a bleached white mullet and leather trousers, made me feel a little bit witchy because you get to use spell signs and craft potions and oils for your sword. Um, and then you meet and kill quite a lot of magical creatures, which are not just limited to these, but also are things like elves, dwarves, harpies, trolls, ghosts, um, gargoyles, and some other things that I have no idea if these are based on like mythology from Poland, but there's neckers, which are kind of like golem type swamp monster creatures, and endrinas, and drinkers, which are like giant crab spider bug things that live in the forest. The gameplay is quite complicated. The first time I actually tried playing the game, I gave up because it had a really steep difficulty curve for me, even though I was playing on easy because there's so much stuff you need to remember how to do. And if you're not doing it, you're just making the game super hard for yourself. Um, so depending on what monsters you're going to be fighting, you have to push a different button to draw either one of your swords. This isn't like an automatic thing where you just attack and your sword comes out. You actually have to remember to do it. You also have different slots that you can equip thrown weapons, bombs, traps and ranged weapons to. There are also your spells to use, potions, oils, equipment, plus equipable extras for your equipment and weapons, plus mutagens, which you use to upgrade yourself in various ways. So that's a lot. There is, when you start the game up, a tutorial that asks if you want to do, and it's basically just like a little mini game type thing where you go along a bit you craft some potions and it makes you do a little fight i heavily advise doing that if you've never played one of these games before even though i played things like um dragon age and i guess fable kind of comes into the like rpg category and dragon's dogma i'd not played anything like this before and i really started to feel that um, when i got into the main game because it's quite unforgiving in the amount of combat you have to do like right away so definitely do the tutorial and depending on how well you do in the tutorial it assigns you a difficulty level based on what it thinks you can handle which is pretty nice of it but also made me feel really dumb because it gave me just like the easiest one some people uh, that i've seen reviews of this game say that it's really long I didn't really get that from it. Maybe it's because I'm used to like playthroughs of Dragon Age, which kind of go over like a hundred hours if you're doing everything and doing all the collectibles and stuff. But I didn't really find a huge amount to do. Um, there's side quests and things, but they're pretty short, I guess. In most respect, uh, in most respects, it's going places and killing people and then coming back. There's nothing you have to really like collect or spend ages on, which I kind of appreciated. 
the only times where I was really like drawing out my gameplay was because the map is kind of hard to navigate and sometimes the quest marker will just tell you to go to a random location that isn't where you need to go so sometimes I would go to the quest marker and nothing would happen and it was because I needed to go and talk to someone in a different area who would then tell me to go to the area that was already marked on my map and this happened a couple of times um which was quite annoying because it meant I had to trek all the way back and then all the way back to where I'd been originally and wait for, you know, things to happen. The instructions I got from various characters weren't particularly clear, so a couple of times I did have to go to, like, internet walkthroughs just to be like, where am I meant to be going to find this monster that I need to fight and what do I need to take with me? I don't understand. So I think it could have benefited from being a little bit more heavy on the explaining where you need to go or just not telling me to go into the wrong section of the map. Once you've done all the quests in sort of Act 2, which involves you kind of siding with a township or with another king who hasn't been assassinated yet, you get into Act 3. Act 3 doesn't vary a huge amount depending on who you sided with at the end of Act 1. I'd say Act 2 is the bit that changes most. Act 3 kind of the same and the final boss battle is the same. It is a giant dragon and I kind of felt a little bit underwhelmed by that in terms of all the other stuff that we'd done throughout the game and then it was just like fighting a dragon at the top of the tower felt a little bit generic. So there's that. Uh, I am really excited to play the third one. Uh, my brother has a copy so I don't have to buy it and it has all the extra DLC on it so I'm in going into it looking forward to a more open world style of gameplay, maybe a little bit smoother because he said he didn't like the clunky complicated gameplay of the second one and that the third one was a lot better. Also looking forward to a graphical upgrade and maybe also getting some answers because I felt by the end of the second one I was a little bit more clued up about Geralt's life and the general plot and kind of wanted to see what was going to happen to him. In terms of playing it just for witchy magical stuff, the setting is quite magical in that it's set in this sort of weird fantasy world where there's dwarves and elves and other stuff running wild everywhere. There are actual characters who are witches. At several points you do see magic being performed and you can use some magic spells yourself, uh, like the fire signs and stuff that I mentioned earlier. So in that sense, it does have some pretty good witchy content, although there are no actual characters in it called witches. There are also some moments of quite good humour in it. There's a really nice um, kind of gag moment where... Uh, Geralt and Triss are getting busy in an elven bath which is like a kind of ancient Roman baths but I guess built by elves and um, there's some members of the Scoyotel up on a hill above them and one of them says oh yeah it said that lovers died here once and if you listen carefully you can hear the sounds of those lovers still and then the dwarf obviously hears Geralt and Triss and gets really freaked out because he thinks there's ghosts. <laughs> So there's stuff like that going on. Um, there's also some swearing and some nudity. And also I'm going to trigger warn because in true fantasy medieval setting style, there are like instances of sexual assault or violence. Um, nothing you really see. It just kind of happens, I guess, off screen. But it's still mentioned and talked about. So I thought I'd mention it now. If you want to grab a copy of the game, it's only available uh, for like Xbox 360 and similar generation 
consoles. I think you can also play it on PC. But it is backwards compatible and I have the enhanced edition that came out in 2012 maybe? I feel like it was 2012 um that works fine on my xbox one which is great the third one you do have to buy on xbox one it's not backwards compatible so bear that in mind if you're planning to get into the series but you can pick up a copy of the enhanced edition of the second one or just the plain edition of the second one for between like five and nine pounds online it's not super expensive and you will probably be able to sink quite a lot of time into it it's not a game that you're just gonna play once and then forget about i think there is quite a lot of replay value to it also because you can play it through differently at least twice and there are obviously other missions where you make decisions that can affect things later on so there's quite a lot of uh, value i think in replaying it again i hope you've enjoyed this review do let me know if you have played the second one or the third one and what you thought about it also if you know anything about the first one being ported onto console anytime soon or maybe remastered i'd actually probably be interested in giving that a look and you can get in touch in the usual way which is twitter and email you can see those in the description box for this episode and i'll see you in the next one